Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, y'all? Evening, everybody. Welcome to Carving Up Live. We're on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. I'm Bryson Carver, as always. And I must say, being in the Sweet 16, uh, well, it's pretty sweet. I'm not going to lie. Sure, as you are all aware, my Tennessee Volunteers, I'm on the final 16 teams left with an opportunity to compete for a national championship. And what makes us sweeter and so we knocked out a team that a lot of people had winning the whole thing. Duke, a highly respected program. John Shire did an unbelievable job this season. Hats off to him. Hats off to the entire Duke team. But ladies and gentlemen, when you're talking about a Tennessee team that is second in college basketball in defense, when you've got Santiago Vescovi, who's one of the best shooters in college basketball, and when you get a legacy game from Olivier Nkamwa, 27 points. Did it very efficiently, I might add. It's hard to lose. It really is. So, yes, we're playing Rocky Top. We're celebrating. But the job is not finished. We got Florida Atlantic on Thursday in the Sweet 16 in Madison Square Garden. Very, very excited for that. But we're just going to enjoy this. We do have a loaded show today, though. Going to talk some NFL draft. I'm not all that high on Anthony Richardson. That's that's. Fun to say, not for Anthony Richardson, not against anything against him personally, just who he played for the University of Florida, you know, the Gators. You've also got Dylan Brooks, Clay Thompson going back and forth. I got a lot to say about that. What else? Anthony Davis blowing the end of the Mavericks game and with a pretty subpar performance yesterday against the Orlando Magic. Got saved by Austin Reeves. Also talk Brandon Cooks to the Dallas Cowboys. Just got to let the Rocky Top play out, ladies and gentlemen. It's very exciting. Very, very exciting. In the Sweet 16, first time since 2019. Very, very exciting. Take the shades off. 
but I will be obviously sporting this, this Tennessee hoodie for the rest of the show. Of course, Patrick Brown in the comments already. What's up, Patrick? He says, GBO go big orange. As we say in the great state of Tennessee, and he's got the, the orange emoji. I appreciate that. Patrick, Patrick is a, is a UNC fan. So if nothing else, if nothing else, we saved, um, we saved the, the North Carolina fans out there. And anybody who hates Duke, I've never been one to hate Duke. I, I've I've never understood really that 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 mantra. Like, oh, yeah, everybody hates Duke. I, maybe it's just me. I've just never had a reason to have Duke. And if it's just, oh, they're good. Well, UNC's been good, and Kansas is the defending national champions. Although they will not be defending their title after Arkansas knocked them out in round two. Uh, so there, there's there, there's a lot going on in college basketball. There's a lot of powerhouses, a lot of blue bloods, which I do want to talk about to start today's show, because. March Madness and how people consume it or have consumed it since the tournament really officially begun this past Thursday. It's really interesting to me because it kind of confirms something that I've been saying for a few months, certainly in the past month, especially when I got to talking about the NBA and the All-Star Game, which was as bad of a product as we've ever seen in sports. So I checked, I, I Googled this morning. Just out of pure curiosity, okay, looking at you know what what was the March Madness ratings over the first two rounds, okay, because that's the most games, it's the most madness, so to speak. You get the most upsets in the first couple of rounds. I mean, heck, you got 15 seed Princeton in the next in, in the Sweet 16. Hats off to to the kids over there beating Arizona and then taking care of business. I'm forgetting who they beat. Uh, it's not coming to the top of my head off right at the bat, but uh, March Madness. How about this? This is according to sportspromedia.com. They track like ratings and stuff like that. They said, quote, the opening round of March Madness drew an average of 8.4 million domestic viewers, setting an eight-year high for uh, the college basketball men's tournament. So the highest the ratings have been since 2015. And I think what it, what it says is it, it kind of, it's really why the NFL is so popular. It's why you hear all this, ah, oh, the NFL ratings, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, <laughs> Don't don't believe any of the, the 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 narrative, the fake narrative nonsense you hear out there. People love the NFL. People love March Madness. Why is that? What do they have in common? There is an incredible sense of urgency. It's different than the NBA seven game series, baseball seven game series, or you know you you know you get that to us. You got that to a certain degree with the wild card game, but then they made it a wild card series, best of three, division series, best of five, and then the championship series and the world series. Best of seven. Hockey, best of seven. College football is one and done in the playoff, but A, it's four teams as opposed to 64, and B, we can pretty much guess year in and year out who's going to be in the playoff. I mean, there's going to be some Ohio State in there, some Alabama, some Georgia, you know. You, you kind of know the teams. Clemson, for, for you know, had a long run there, won a couple of national titles. College basketball, it's wide open. And I think in college sports, it's different than pro sports. I've said for years that parity, so to speak, or lack of dynasties or one you know team for everybody to hate is horrible for professional sports. I've said that for years. Okay, the NBA's ratings were at their peak in the 90s. Greatest dynasty in league history, the Bulls led by Michael Jordan. The NFL. Now, the NFL is, is less reliant on dynasties than, than the NBA. But for two decades, everybody hated the Patriots or everybody loved the Patriots. But you did not want to miss them if they were on television, especially in the playoffs. And more times than not, they were on television in February. College is a little bit different. 
We can have, in college football, so to speak, Alabama fatigue. Alabama's not going anywhere. Now, they've dipped off in recent years, but in college sports, it's literally the reverse of pro sports. This is why I love pro sports more than college sports, and I love college sports. This is why I like pro sports more. If a team sucks in college football, let's think about a downtrodden football program. Okay, not to take a shot at a rival of Tennessee, but I'll take a shot at a rival of Tennessee, Vanderbilt. When's the last time Vanderbilt's been, I mean, respectable, forget good, respectable in, in the scheme of college football and certainly in the SEC? I can't remember the last time that's been the case. If they were in the NFL, if it were like the NFL structure, Vandy would get all the five-star recruits and Bama would have to find some diamond in the rough, some three-star recruits. That's not how it works. Am I arguing against it? No, it's a different structure. It obviously works very well for college football. Check their ratings. Check the success of the overall uh, product as a whole. But the NFL, if you are a, a struggling franchise for years and years and years, like the Jacksonville Jaguars, just suck for one year and you get one of the greatest most generational talents that we've ever seen coming out of a draft in Trevor Lawrence. And it looks like Jacksonville is going to have a good decade, decade and a half of relevance and possibly championship contention. When you see Alabama in college football, when you see Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky, by the way, all four of which failed to make the Sweet 16, Carolina failed to even make the tournament, Kentucky, Duke, and, and, and Kansas, all of them got knocked out in the round of 32. We've got 11 teams in March Madness. I'm sorry, 16 teams still at the tournament from 11 different conferences. Parity is great for college sports. It's horrible for professional sports. I mean, folks, baseball's had par baseball hasn't had a dynasty since like the Yankees of the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, you see, did you see the World Series ratings last year? In the tank. Houston's trying to become a dynasty, but one could argue, yeah, but their 2017 title, it's kind of illegitimate because reasons that we know. And Philadelphia, yeah, it's a cool story, big, big market, but not an iconic brand like the Red Sox or the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Cardinals, etc. Sense of urgency always sells in sports. I mean... I would consider myself a casual college basketball fan. I try to watch every Saturday during you know the winter months, certainly after the Super Bowl is done, leading up to March Madness, trying to get to know some of these teams going to the tournament. But most of these teams, you know, uh, uh, FDU, you ever heck, I've never heard of the school, much less any of the players. Same with teams like Princeton, Florida Atlantic. I mean, a lot of people hadn't heard of some of the guys. Obviously, I am because I'm a Tennessee fan, but a lot of people hadn't heard of some of the guys for Tennessee, their name. But they're watching like, hey, Olivier Kama is a pretty good player. Uh, Santiago Vescovi, man, listen, Duke and Shoe, he moves off the ball great. Okay, uh, Jonas Adu, right? He's, he's great on both ends of the floor. You start to learn the names. You start to learn the stories. You get something to root for. You get somebody to root against. You know, people are pulling against Alabama. Some of it is off-court stuff. Some of it is, is the fact that they've been the best team in college basketball all season long. If you give somebody something to root for, if you give them a reason, if you give them a sense of urgency, the product's going to be better. The viewership is going to be higher. It's going to be incredible. The NBA, which I'm not saying NBA should go to best of one. I think it'd be terrible. No, I'm not advocating for that in the slightest. Best of one series. No. 
It wouldn't be a series. It'd just be one game. But it's why when there was so much criticism of Adam Silver two years ago when he instituted the play-in tournament, like, ah, oh, it's like it's, you know, they don't really keep stats long-term for the play-in tournament. And, oh, it's, yeah, the 10 seed could get in the playoffs. It just messes everything up. I mean, even LeBron James, if I remember correctly, I'm not quoting him verbatim, but if I remember correctly, LeBron's saying something like, whoever came up with this should be fired. Which is kind of ironic because the, the situation, the predicament LeBron's team finds itself in, but that's another topic for later in the show. But I said, oh, this is great for the NBA. Because A, it reduces tanking, and B, it gives a 10 seed an opportunity like, hey, like, we, we, could maybe, we could maybe sneak in the playoff or the playoffs. And you look at, you know, seven seed, eight seed, these are like literally, these are game seven type feels. And whatever the NBA can do, to institute that, it's why baseball is <laughs> as, is in as bad of a spot popularity-wise as it's ever been in its history. Who, do, who am I supposed to root against? Right? Well, what's Why do I get excited? It's, it's why the regular season numbers are horrible. The postseason numbers really aren't that good at all up until the World Series, which have been subpar in recent years. Give people a reason to watch. Give them a sense of urgency, and they'll watch. By the way... Give the players the incentive. I mean, folks, we still talk about some of the heroes of, of tournaments past for years to come. If they make a game-winning shot, if they do this, they do that. I mean, I, I remember, I don't remember the I'm talking about the women's bracket now. I don't remember the the woman's name for Mississippi State. But remember, she, I mean, she couldn't have been five foot tall. I mean, she, that, she was just little. And she hit that game-winning shot at the buzzer to beat UConn in the Final Four back in 2017. I remember where I was when I watched that shot. This tournament can make heroes out of people, we again, we've never heard of unless you're like a college basketball diehard, which obviously most people are not. It's why I say when people rip the NBA and players taking games off, well, I mean, they're, they're told every day by fans, media, and the league, essentially. The regular season really doesn't mean anything, guys. Like, don't, don't, it's the playoffs that matters. And the ratings, more times than not, reflect that. That's what I think has been the, my main takeaway from March Madness. By the way, the, the games have been incredible. I mean, from basically the second game, Furman-Virginia, where Furman won that game at, at the very end. It was a great call by, by the great Kevin Harlan, the whole bit. From then on, it's been incredible. It's been very, very entertaining. And uh, this is a big, big win for college basketball for a lot of these programs who you know, are now getting their shine. So I love it. Uh, let's see. A few, co uh, this is odd. So I got a, a comment here from Barry and a comment here from John John, but all I get is dots. Is it a problem with the, the comment section? I don't know what that is. I see, I see Barry and John John commented. I, I doubt they commented just dot, 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 but, uh, eh, maybe they did. I don't know. Maybe I hope it's not an issue with the comment uh, section. If somebody could put something down, we'll see if we can. Okay, so Pat, Patrick's got a comment, so I, I don't think it's a comment section. Uh, he says, anytime Kansas, UK, and Duke lose in one weekend, it's a beautiful day for UNC fans. I can imagine. I can imagine. Again, the defending champion, Jayhawks, get knocked out in round two by Arkansas, who was laying in the weeds all season long. Arkansas had a great year the last, or great last two years. I think they made the Elite Eight the last two seasons leading in this, in this one, trying to make it a third year in a row. But... Arkansas, I mean, again, obviously I'm a Tennessee fan, so I watch a lot of SEC basketball. Arkansas was fine. I mean, they weren't, but man, when they peaked, they're well coached. I love it. 
<laughs> Barry says, I'm mad about Duke. And by the way, your haircut bothers me. Well, I'm about to get it cut this weekend, Barry. And I'm, I'm, you know, I grew it out a little bit. I'm, I'm not, I'm not getting too, too wild. But yeah. You, you know what? You, it, it, I don't blame you for being mad at Duke. I mean, when you get that overwhelmed by the second best defense in college basketball, when Tennessee's scoring basically at will. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I, I, listen, I would not be happy in your shoes. I get it. It's a shame we didn't put a bet on this game because I might've made you sing Rocky top. And that'd have been a, that'd have been a beautiful sight to see. I mean, who knows when, if Tennessee and Duke will ever face again in the tournament. They very well might. Because I think Duke's going to be fine under John Shire. Obviously, they're not they're, chances of them having the success they had under Coach K is slim to none. He's the greatest basketball college basketball coach ever since John Wooden. But listen, Duke, Duke will still be Duke will still be contention next year. I was shocked though that North Carolina was as subpar as they were this year. I mean, they were, if I'm not mistaken, I think they were ranked number one, certainly in the top three. And man, they just got to a rough start of the season and never really recovered. <laughs> Barry, I'm tired of losing to you. Well, get used to it. Because the thing is, I'm going to talk about my Warriors later in the show. Barry and I have a Warriors bet that we made right before the season started. That if Golden State wins the finals this season, Barry has to wear Warriors gear on the show, on my show. And if anybody else, now obviously there's some teams that have a 0% chance, the Rockets, the Spurs, the Pistons, but if literally anybody else does, I got to wear Lakers gear. I don't know if it'll be in his show. It'll be in my show. I, whatever the case may be. But we'll gotta, uh, we, we've gotta, we got to make that happen. But I, I'm, still, I'm not backing off that bet for a second. And John John says Duke equals trash. I mean, no offense, John John, but they were better than y'all. But, but y'all did own, uh, in Coach K's career last year. So I'll give y'all that. Patrick, Purdue was the weakest one seed in the tournament. One of the worst performances by a team I've ever seen. The only, the only one that I can say is worse, Patrick, is when, because FDU was, the, was only the second 16 seed to ever win a tournament game. The last one we remember was just five years ago when Virginia, one seed Virginia, got knocked out by UMBC. To me, that's the worst performance ever by a one seed because Virginia got smoked. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was 74-54 was the final score. I mean, they got blitzed, especially the second half. Man, UMBC couldn't miss. That That was worse than Purdue. But yeah, no question. I mean, they were too reliant on that that Edie kid. and Or Eddie, Edie, I can't remember what his name is. Uh, the big guy. They weren't deep enough. I, I said going to the tournament, they feel like a week one seed to me. John, John, he already got the Warriors gear. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I prayed for another Golden State Championship. A, obvious reasons I'm a Warriors fan. But B, to see a lifelong Lakers fan like Barry wearing wearing that that logo with the 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 Bay Bridge on it, I don't know. Maybe he's got a Steph Curry jersey, Draymond. I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure there's something. Everybody in the last few years, everybody deep down, every deep down has a soft spot for the Golden State Warriors. Even Dylan Brooks, who I'll talk about later in the show. Even I mean, Dylan Brooks years ago said he's a fan of Draymond's. Everybody deep down has a soft spot for the defending NBA champion Golden State Warriors, somewhere deep inside your heart. I mean, for me, it's not that deep. It's it's, 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 it's all over my heart, you know? But, yeah, listen, you, you, you got to respect him. You ain't got to like him, but you got to respect him. I do want to move to the NFL, though, uh, <laughs> because uh, the, the, the Dallas Cowboys uh, just acquired Brandon Cooks. How about them Cowboys? Yeah! So, 
Dallas gets Brandon Cooks in a trade with the Houston Texans. If I'm not mistaken, I think they got a fifth-round pick out of it. They didn't have to give up a ton of compensation to get him. Okay. Let's talk about the short term for Brandon Cooks, and then we'll talk about the long term. The short term is, if you're looking at just the trade, and don't take any other factor completely out, if you're talking about just the trade, the Dallas Cowboys and the Houston Texans and what they gave up and what they got in return. The chances of that fifth-round pick for Dallas being as productive as Brandon Cooks, listen, there's there's talent everywhere in the draft. I mean, look at Isaiah Pacheco, the seventh-rounder for Kansas City. Look how impactful he was for the Chiefs, especially in the Super Bowl. There's talent everywhere in the draft. However, the chances of you hitting a home run in the fifth round compared to a guy who you already know has been very productive in the NFL, not a great chance of that happening. So Brandon Cook springs to the Cowboys. Obviously, Brandon's one of the fastest players in the league. He's not he's not Tyreek fast, but Duke can fly. He's, I mean, he, there's a stat I saw uh, on, on Twitter. I want to give the credit to who, who put this out. RJ Ochoa, I hope I'm saying his name correctly. He covers the Cowboys. Um, he was talking about, uh, he put this wide receivers with at least 12 yards per reception and at least 200 catches since 2020. And there's names like Mike Evans, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, CeeDee Lamb, uh, Stephon Diggs, Hopkins, Cooper Cup, like big time wide receiver names. And Brandon Cooks is on this list. So Brandon, the productivity is, is, is unquestionable when you talk about what he's done over the course of his career with the Saints, with the Patriots, the Rams, and even the Texans who have had a nothing burger at quarterback the last couple of seasons. So he's in Dallas now. He gets to pair up with Dak. He now gives Dak a very good number two receiver. Lamb's the number one. You, you guys know I had major doubts about whether or not CeeDee Lamb could prove he was the number one receiver. About Thanksgiving into December, I'm like, okay, he's he, he's CeeDee Lamb solidified himself. He is a number one receiver in the National Football League. So the question was, who's his running mate? And last year, it was nobody. But the second best offensive piece Skill position player they had was Tony Pollard. That's great, but Tony's a running back. You can throw him the ball, but he's he's not as effective in the passing game as obviously C.D. Lamb is. Michael Gallup, 108th in separation in the NFL last year. Noah Brown, who <laughs> Cowboys fans rejoice, is a Texan today. 105th in separation. Dalton Schultz, who just signed with the Texans about 30, 45 minutes ago, was in like the 60s or 70s in terms of separation. So it was it was 88 or bust for the Cowboys offense in terms of the passing game. So now you get Brandon Cooks, who today is a better player than Michael Gallup. Like Michael Gallup, but he's a three. He's a, he's a number three in the NFL. So in the short term, yeah, I like to pick up a Dallas. They're better today than they were on Saturday. Made the trade Sunday morning. But in the long term, it is a stupid move. I'll tell you why. In my view, one of the top five receivers in the NFL, DeAndre Hopkins, has made it about as clear as day that he wants to be a Dallas Cowboy. He's done everything short of saying the words explicitly, I want to be a Dallas Cowboy. He's done IG lives. He's hung out with Dez. He's, you know, he's chopping it up with Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons, we know how vocal he is, how outspoken he is. He's recruiting him, you know, on Twitter. D-Hop wants to be in Dallas, and reports are the asking price by the Arizona Cardinals wouldn't be all that much. It's like a second-round pick, like a, a two and a three, or maybe two twos and, or, and one three or one two and two threes. For a guy of DeAndre Hopkins' stature, it's not that much. But we know how Jerry Jones is. You know, 
doesn't want to pay guys who didn't initially start in Dallas. Again, Amari Cooper is kind of the, the exception, but after a while, he kind of felt more like a Cowboy than he did a Raider in the long term, or in the long run, rather. Jerry Jones does not want to bring a guy in who he can't get the credit for in terms of finding their talent, which, by the way, he didn't find the talent. Will McClay finds the talent. That's a different discussion for a different day. Jerry is not aggressive in the trade market or in free agency. Hasn't been really since Deion Sanders, since he acquired Deion Sanders from the San Francisco. I'm sorry, when he was a free agent back in the mid-90s when the Cowboys were in the midst of their dynasty. So the Cowboys could have gotten D-Hop. So you've got DeAndre Hopkins, you got C.D. Lamb. You're like, okay, great tandem. That's about it. Oh, no, it's not. There's a wide receiver, and this is a really good wide receiver draft, by the way. There's a wide receiver who's projected by most, most of the experts who do mock drafts to go mid-first round, maybe a little later in, in, in the first round, who the Cowboys could very easily trade up and get. His name is Jalen Hyatt from the University of Tennessee, getting a lot of Tennessee shout-outs today. Jalen Hyatt would be a perfect fit with Dak Prescott. Why is that? Dak is... I'm not saying he's this quarterback. I'm saying his style of play is similar to this quarterback. Dak is a lot like Drew Brees in terms of how he plays the game. Then he is Ben Roethlisberger, for example. Ben Roethlisberger's a gunslinger. Just throw the ball up in the air, have your playmakers go up and make plays. A little risky with the football, but Drew Brees, yeah, Drew did throw interceptions from time to time, but Drew is a spread-the-ball-around-the-field guy. That, that, that was his game. That's kind of Dak's game. That is why Dak and Amari Cooper fit so well. Amari Cooper is as crisp of a route runner as the NFL has this side of Devontae Adams. That's why Dak fit perfectly. Dak is a timing quarterback. Amari Cooper is a timing receiver. CeeDee Lamb is a timing receiver. That's why the connection between Dak and CeeDee Lamb has been so good. That's why the connection between Dak and Des Bryant was uh, didn't really work. Des fit more with Tony Romo. Dak and Michael Gallup has worked, but as Michael Gallup has lost a little bit of explosiveness, part of that due to the ACL injury, it hasn't been quite as efficient. Noah Brown was a horrendous fit because, sure, he could run, but Duke could not run a Chris Brown to save his life, and he had, you know, hands like he had, you know, just, uh, you know, touched a uh, dove soap or something. It was horrible. See the Jacksonville game at the end. Jalen Hyde is a timing wide receiver. CeeDee Lamb is a timing wide receiver. DeAndre Hopkins... We think of him as a big-body guy who can go up and make plays, and he can do that. But DeAndre Hopkins is a fantastic route runner. You had the assets in place to go get... I mean, CeeDee Lamb's a one. He's no DeAndre Hopkins. Okay, DeAndre Hopkins has been with some bad quarterbacks and still put up 1,000 yards receiving. I mean, he's, he's still been productive. I mean, in 2017, I remember that year when, De uh, when Deshaun Watson uh, went down. He was having a great rookie season towards ACL, and you're getting like Tom Savage. I mean, some of these quarterbacks I've never heard of before then, haven't heard from him since. And DeAndre Hopkins is out here making incredible plays and make these quarterbacks look serviceable. So there's no question he'd work with Dak Prescott. With CeeDee Lamb, we already know he works with Dak. And we know Jalen Hyatt, the way he plays the game in the slot, would work with Dak. Not to mention... Hyatt and Cooks are very similar. Cooks is probably a, a, a step faster than Hyatt. But Hyatt's younger, cheaper, and less injured. The Cowboys, 
Particularly Jerry Jones. Shocker. Butchered this long-term. You could say in the now it works. And it does. Brandon Cooks and Dak, okay fit. He's a, he's a good number two behind C.D. Lamb. But in the long run, this also takes Dallas out of the OBJ sweepstakes. And I, I, I don't know, do they take a receiver in the first round now? I'm not sure. Because a Jalen Hyatt, Brandon Cooks tandem, it's kind of odd because they're kind of the same guy. It's kind of like when I talk about the NBA. They say, create your all-time starting five in the NBA. There's no way on earth I'd put Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan in the same lineup. They're the same player. Jordan's the better version of Kobe, God rest his soul. Jordan's the better version. I'm going to go with Jordan. Doesn't make sense, but then again, not a lot of decisions they make in Dallas do make sense. Got a few comments here. Let's see. <laughs> uh, Barry Grant Jr. Dalton Schultz is the Dennis Schroeder of the NFL. Yeah, he 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 uh, he screwed this. He he because he, he could have taken more money in Dallas. Which, by the way, I, you you guys know how I feel about Dalton Schultz. I think he is as average a tight end as there is in the NFL. Another player. He's kind of in that group with Michael Gallup of guys you've never heard of who Dak elevated. Dallas is better off rolling with with the young kid Jake Ferguson. Okay, Ferguson's a better blocker. I think he's got better hands. He's more of a deep ball threat. I wouldn't say deep ball, but more of a down the seams threat. Then the, the Dalton Schultz is, yeah, his, yeah, that, that, that's Dallas is, should be more than fine with letting Schultz walk. Barry, who, by the way, Barry is a Cowboys fan. We all know why Jerry made this move. And by the way, I something I forgot to mention that the Cowboys, the, or the sorry, the Texans g- gave up, paid uh, Brandon Cook six million dollars of his salary this season. So Dallas got him at a discount. We know Jerry loves discounts. We know that because think about this too from the Cowboys. And I'll get some more comments. Last year, last offseason, what the Cowboys do, you know, they came off that loss, the playoff loss in the wild card round to San Francisco. It was disappointing, and there were some clear holes in the roster. So like, okay, some good free agents who could fill those holes. Dak Prescott, they restructured his contract. Freed up some cap space. Amari Cooper, they traded. Freed up some cap space. Von Miller was on the market. Von Miller, a Texas kid, wanted to come to Dallas. And Jerry Jones, as he tends to do with big-name free agents, lowballed him. And if he doesn't lowball free agents, he doesn't pursue them, period. And Von's like, are you kidding me? Here's Buffalo giving me like a six-year, 100-plus million-dollar contract. Uh, Yeah, hit, hit the road, Jack. I'm going to Buffalo. Okay, struck out. This year, they restructured Dak's contract again. They restructured Zach Martin's contract. DeAndre Hopkins is out there. And they go for Brandon Cooks. I never, I'm sure people who cover the Cowboys back in the 90s never took Jerry Jones for a penny pincher. That's what he is. I mean, I, I have been on this for years on carving it up. When are people going to recognize Jerry Jones does not care about winning football games unless he and he alone gets the credit? It's the very reason he fired Jimmy Johnson in the middle of a dynasty. That's unprecedented. It's never been done before in the NFL, never been done since, where a coach is fired in the middle of a dynasty. 
Never been done before. Never been done since. I mean, that, that would literally be like if the Chiefs fired Andy Reid tomorrow. That, that's the equivalent. That's what Jerry Jones did with Jimmy Johnson, and it set the franchise back 30-plus years. Or 27-ish. You know, how it's been, what, 27 years since they won a Super Bowl? Going on 28? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That, that's how it is. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we know how Jerry works. Barry, I will never forgive Jerry. I hope you are coming to see the light on what I've been telling you for a very, very long time. Barry, D-Hop would have changed Dak's life and the Cowboys' fate. Yeah, yeah, you acquired DeAndre Hopkins again. I, I, I still maintain Jalen Hyatt would be a perfect fit with Dak Prescott. Yeah, Cowboys, listen, I know people get tired of every year. Cowboys winning Super Bowl. For the record, I said all last season, when I still supported the Cowboys as a Dak fan, I said all of last season, this is not a contender. They had D-Hop? <laughs> As as weak as the NFC is, you're, they're absolutely a contender. But that's how it goes. John Johnny says, you love Jerry. So you, were, you referring to me, John Johnny, you referring to Barry? Because I know Barry for the longest time was like, oh, the, the big time Jerry Jones fan. We'd we, 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 we get in some, some debates about, about Mr. Jones. But that uh, seems to be turning a corner. And Barry says, we dodged a serious bullet in regards to Schultz. Big time. Yeah, the fact that they even... Offered him the contract they offered him is like, you give Dalton Schultz $36 million for three years? Dalton Schultz? Eh, I don't know about that. He's never been a pro bowler. He's he's not. He's literally not productive whatsoever unless Dak is on the field. I mean, even CeeDee Lamb had his moments with Cooper Rush. Okay, uh, Michael Gallup caught a touchdown from Cooper Rush. Heck, Noah Brown looked okay with Cooper Rush. Schultz was terrible with Rush. So... Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the Cowboys were thinking there, but then again, I ask that question every season, every offseason, because of the man who's running the entire operation. So, if we want to shift from that, uh, let's see, I think we've, uh, I want to make sure we've got the video in, we've got the footage of my next segment. Okay, we do. So, I want to shift back to the NBA for a second, because this is something, I've alluded to it, I, I did... A month and a half ago, something like that. A month and a half, two months ago. And I alluded to it last week when I came back when it comes to the Memphis Grizzlies, but I wanted to stick more to John Morant since that was the much more pressing issue and story. Which, by the way, John Morant, I don't know what the latest on him is. He is technically eligible to come back tonight against the, I don't know who they play. I think they're playing the Mavericks, which is, that's a big game for both teams, especially Dallas. Uh, is Ja back? Uh, let me make sure. I, I'm just curious to see if Ja's coming back tonight. Okay, so so Ja is Ja's not playing tonight. They say he could return Wednesday against the Houston Rockets. So that's that's the latest in Ja Moran. Obviously, I talked about last week. It felt like a little bit of a hasty stay at the facility in Florida. Heck, it felt like a quick suspension, a quick break from the Grizzlies. Like, I don't think this was handled all that well by the Grizzlies or by the NBA for that matter. It was very, very, very odd. Uh, 
Yeah, Johnjo said, yeah, Wednesday. So yeah, it looks like Wednesday he's 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 gonna be back for for the Grizzlies. And like I said, continue to wish Ja the very best. Now, for the rest of the Grizzlies. Um I try to when I pick the topics for my show every Monday, Thursday, and Friday of every week, I try to pick things that are Relevant in the world of sports, like occasionally, like if there's a, if something big happened in Tennessee sports, that's not nationally relevant in most instances, but I'll talk about it because I'm a Tennessee fan and I, that, that's my team. But I try to stick to what's the big, what, what the big news in sports is, what everybody's talking about, what we're all debating, so on and so forth. This happens to be not only a topic I want to talk about, but something that the national media is covering. Fans are discussing, you know, amongst themselves, amongst social on social media. So I want to get to this. So my Golden State Warriors, and we will get to their struggles in just a moment. They have lost eleven straight road games. They have not won on the road. This is not a made-up stat. The Golden State Warriors have not won a road game since January thirtieth. Today is March twentieth. It's been almost two full months. I can't explain it. I can't figure it out. By the way, this has been a season-long issue. The Warriors have won seven road games this year. Only, I think, the Rockets and the Spurs have won that or fewer, which the Warriors ironically play the Rockets tonight, and they're like 11-point favorites, which I feel like is a bit much the way Houston's playing and as bad as Golden State is on the road. Be that as it may, the Warriors lost their 11th straight road game on Saturday and their third straight game in total Saturday night in Memphis against the Grizzlies. And Memphis, I mean, from the jump, got some turnovers. Uh, Steph Curry had a rough shooting night. I think he only scored 16 points. Clay didn't play very well. Draymond was kind of all over the place. Uh, Jordan Poole had his moments from here and there. It was just an inconsistent night. Second night of a back-to-back on the road. Just not a good performance by Golden State. And you know they are in Memphis. And you know how he is in Memphis. He, referencing Dylan Brooks, is. They, they just couldn't help themselves. So this is 17 seconds left in the game. Uh, there's a Golden State player, Anthony Lamb, is shooting free throws. Game's over, obviously. Game outcome's been decided. And the Houston, I'm sorry, the Memphis bench is talking about smack to Golden State. To Golden State's bench. And it appears, at least in the camera angles, they showed Steph was kind of ignoring. It, it might have been chuckling a little bit. Same with Draymond, that, which shocks me with Draymond because Draymond has never wanted to back down from, from, a, from a, a verbal uh, you know, challenge or, or altercation on the court. So they, yeah, they, they weren't really into it. Clay Thompson, though, a little bit of a different story. So we'll show you the footage. Apologize to the podcast audience here. So you got Clay Thompson. He's showing one, two, three, four, doing the four rings thing to Dylan Brooks to the Grizzlies bench. Uh, you'll see it again. There you go. He's still he's holding up the four fingers. Looks like he says you haven't won one. Uh, there's the first free throw, and you'll see Dylan Brooks right here. He's still talking smack from the bench to Clay Thompson. And then let's just redo this again. The four fingers, sort of in, in tribute in reference when Kobe Bryant. Remember all those years ago when he he flashed the five the five uh, fingers to to the the fan the stands. He did one two three four five, and he kind of gave him that that classic Mamba look. That that's kind of what Clay was doing. Obviously, we know Clay reveres Kobe as as frankly we all do. But and there was a report from a Memphis beat reporter, uh, DeMichael Cole is his name. I want to give him credit. He said that Dylan Brooks, this is his tweet from from a couple nights ago. He tweeted, quote, Dylan Brooks from the bench to Clay Thompson before the game ended. And I quote, 
you suck. This is corny trash talk as I've I've seen. Like that's that's as corny a line as I've heard in a while. Okay, so the debate amongst the media, amongst some fans out there, about is Golden State Memphis. Is this the next big rivalry in the NBA? I'm not kidding. People are actually asking this question. Okay. No. No, it's not. When we think about NBA rivalries, what comes to mind? If we want to think recent years, yeah, Golden State was involved in one. But it was with the Cleveland Cavaliers. It was with, in my view, the greatest player of all time, LeBron James. It was with Kyrie Irving. It was with Kevin Love. Ty Lue coached three of those four teams to the NBA Finals. I mean, we, we, we knew. Like, there was like a two, three-year stretch where we knew beforehand, before the season began, Golden State's going to be in the finals, Cleveland's going to be the finals. I mean, I think it was the first time in the history of North American team sports that it, two teams have faced each other four straight years in the championship round, in this case, the NBA finals. Like, it's never been done before, and again, I, I, I have a hard time seeing it being done since. It just speaks to the level of dominance by those two teams, particularly the great Hall of Fame-level players on those two teams. That was a rivalry. You think about in the 80s. I think the greatest rivalry in the history of the NBA was the 80s Celtics and Lakers. Just went to the finals year in and year out. Uh, I, I think I heard a stat that every, I, I very well could be wrong on this, so correct me if I am. But in the 80s, in that decade, there was not one finals that was missing the Lakers or the Celtics. Again, could be wrong on that. But I, I remember looking at the list, and I didn't see a finals without Lakers or Celtics. In some cases, they faced each other. Celtics got the Lakers. Lakers got the Celtics a few times. Larry Bird got three titles. Magic Johnson got five. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar got five. The Hall of Fame players for both teams. Your, your uh, McHale's, your James Worthy's. I mean, some of the greatest all-star role players, if you will, in the history of basketball. I mean, these are the, some of the greatest. Robert Parrish. I mean, so that Bill Walton was on some of those Celtics teams, just stacked across the board. Amazing coaching. That was, if forget a rivalry. To me, that's the greatest rivalry in the history of the NBA. Heck, the Celtics and Lakers were rivals back in the 50s and 60s. George Mikan, Bill Russell. Even to a lesser degree, Pistons-Lakers was a little bit of a rivalry. They, they faced each other a couple times in the finals. Pistons-Bulls was a rivalry. Pistons kept getting the Bulls over and over and over. Finally, the Bulls got the Pistons. Remember how mad Detroit was in 91? They didn't even shake the Bulls' hands. Walked off the court before the game was over. Uh, you know, Knicks Pacers in the 90s. That was a rivalry. They got each other back and forth in the playoffs. And again, neither of those teams won championships. But these are like legitimate, like don't like each other. Just go back and forth, back and forth rivalries. Heck, I'd argue Celtics-Lakers in the 2000s. Totally legitimate rivalry. Celtics, I remember that game six gets the Lakers, just blew the Lakers off the court in game six. I remember it was, I remember that anything is possible by, by Kevin Garnett, which was, by the way, recreated by a Princeton player this weekend, which I thought was dope. But, and then the, what the Lakers do? Two years later, 2010, they got back at the Celtics, won in game seven at what used to be called the Staples Center. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What do all of these rivalries have in common? There was an actual back and forth in the playoffs. One team knocked one team out, and then a year later, a couple years later, the other team would get him back, get revenge, knock them out, or deny them a championship, or a trip to the NBA Finals, or the Eastern or Western Conference Finals. This notion that Golden State-Memphis is a rivalry, ladies and gentlemen, the Memphis Grizzlies in what I would call the John Moran era, so since 2019, we've gotten to the playoffs twice, this is going to be the third year in the four seasons that John Morant has been the face of their franchise. Okay? They've never even been to a Western Conference Finals. Heck, the last time they were in the Western Conference Finals, John Morant was, well, he just turned a teenager. He was 13 years old. Dylan Brooks was just going to college at Oregon. Which, by the way, Dylan Brooks, you know, him, him talking all the smack that he's talking, um, talking about Clay Thompson sucks. Yeah. You know, he... he I mean, if if being a four-time NBA champion, five-time All-Star, two-time Olympic gold medalist, the NBA's all-time leader in three-pointers made in a game, the NBA's all-time leader in three-pointers made consecutively to start a game without a miss, 10, by the way. To me, most impressive, the all-time NBA leader in points in a quarter, which he did against the Sacramento Kings. Klay Thompson scored 37 points in a quarter. If that's, oh, not to mention, by the way, he's probably like the second or third greatest shooter in the history of the NBA. It's no big deal. That suck. What's Dylan Brooks? I'll tell you what Dylan Brooks has done. He's led the league in fouls in 2021. He's the current leader in technical fouls this season. And he's a career 40% shooter. Not from three, from the field. And, uh. Oh, by the way, he's a big, big fan of Draymond Green. Go look that up. He's 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 a big fan of Draymond Green. Back from his days uh, at the University of Oregon. So, when we talk about rivalries, I feel like Allen Iverson. We talk about rivalries. When we do talk about rivalries, let's not disrespect the team that's won four of the last eight NBA championships. Literally, the last eight NBA championships, Golden State's won half. In that span, Memphis has never even been to a Western Conference Finals. Memphis has never knocked Golden State out of the playoffs. You want, if you want to say play-in, that's not the playoffs. Again, they don't even count stats for the play-in. For the, for the individual game, yeah. But, they're, you know, 30 years from now, be like, the all-time play-in score is, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, Donovan Mitchell. I'm just throwing out a name. Nobody's, nobody's going to talk about that. The all-time playoff, you know, play-in rebounder. Not to mention Golden State did not have Klay Thompson in that game, just for the record. Golden State, on the other hand, knocked Memphis out last year. And before you say, well, well, John Morant got hurt in game three. First of all, the game he got hurt in, by the way, he got hurt late in the fourth quarter when the game had already been decided. Golden State won that game by 40 points. They had a 2-1 series lead with John. As a matter of fact, as I made the argument many times in the show, Memphis scared me more without Ja in the, in the latter half of that series than with Ja. They were better defensively. They moved the ball better. They had more spacing on the floor. 
Like it's a little bit of the Kyrie Irving syndrome to a certain degree, although Kyrie and Ja are obviously very, very different basketball players. But it's that same effect. By the way, this year, Golden State, 2-0 when they face Ja Morant. 0-2 when they don't face Ja Morant. Against the, against the Grizzlies, obviously. So, when we do talk about rivalries, when we talk about a team that would give anything, would give their, their, their right arm to have just one of Golden State's rings, have just one year that replicates any of the Warriors' championship seasons, Come on now. It's a disrespect. It's it's disrespectful to the word rivalry. For the record, if we want to, I've talked about college sports on the show. So use an example involving my Tennessee volunteers. Tennessee, Alabama, in a rivalry that's known as the third Saturday in October, is a one of the more storied rivalries in college football. As a matter of fact, the guy who was the greatest coach ever in the history of college football, pre-Nick Saban, Bear Bryant, who coached at Alabama. He would he he had that faint he had a famous quote he said we measured how great we were when we faced Tennessee like it was a legit rivalry for the last 15 years up until 2022 it was no rivalry Bama won 15 straight games Tennessee Tennessee had some close ones in there I remember 09 2015 was fairly close 2019 was a, a respectable game then Alabama blew it open in the fourth quarter that was not a rivalry Alabama beat Tennessee 15 times. It's not a rivalry. Tennessee, Florida. I cannot stand Florida. Cannot stand Florida. But from 05 to 2015, Tennessee did not win a single football game against the Florida Gators. It was not a rivalry. It was no back and forth. Now, Tennessee got Alabama last year. Tennessee got Florida in 2016. And by the way, last year. Okay, it's a little legitimate rivalry. There's a, a, a tug of war going on here. You can't. You know, have a tug of war and, you know, one team keeps pulling the other side, you know, basically to their knees, essentially, over and over and over, and it's a rivalry. Just because they don't like each other does not make it a rivalry. And you got Dylan Brooks after the game talk about, you know, I, I own a lot of real estate in, in San Francisco. Real estate? It's like Clay Thompson said. Nobody, 10 years from now, whenever Dylan Brooks retires, nobody's ever going to talk about Dylan Brooks. Like, oh, man, remember back in the day, remember that game, Dylan Brooks? Nobody's ever going to do that. Stop. We're going to be talking about Clay Thompson for the rest of time because he's one of the 75 greatest basketball players of all time. He didn't make the list, but I think it's safe to say he's in that he's in that class. This is not a rivalry. Never has been and never will be unless Memphis gets Golden State in the playoffs and they beat them. Then it's a rivalry. Until then, Golden State's have one rival in this entire dynasty, and that's the Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron James. To this day, by the way, I don't like the Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't really like any of Cleveland sports. I don't like the Cavs. I'd say there's some Warriors players who still don't, you know, don't care too much for Cleveland. But it's, it's not a rivalry. One, because Golden State hasn't lost to Cleveland since June of 2017. Look it up. That's a real stat. And two, Cleveland's not a threat to Golden State. It's just And there's no animosity between the players for either side. There's no back and forth tug of war. Please, it's not a rivalry. Let's see here. We got a couple. John Rivera, if Memphis beats y'all in the playoffs, you got to wear a Dylan Brooks jersey. Well, let me ask you this, John. Do they even sell those? 
Uh, I got to check the Grizzlies team website. They probably just sell 12 John Morant jerseys, 13 Jaron Jackson jerseys, 22 Desmond Bain jerseys. Heck, I'd buy a Steven Adams jersey before I buy a Dylan Brooks jersey. Hey, Kennedy Chandler, by the way. Shout out to Kennedy Chandler. VFL, ball for life. Unfortunately, he is is at the end of the bench, but he's still, yeah, he's, he's a member of the Memphis Grizzlies. I wear a Dylan Brooks jersey. You want okay? There's got to be a there's got to be a, a back and forth this bet in this bet, John John. Okay. So of course I don't think John John dislikes Golden State. I, I don't think so. There's not really a. Hmm. I'll definitely consider it. I will definitely consider it. By the way, can Memphis beat Golden State? Of course they can be. Anybody can be anybody. Now, do I think they will? Of course not. We talk about Golden State's bad on the road. Uh, Memphis is bad on the road themselves. Let me check their road record. Like it's 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 not Golden State bad. It ain't great. Memphis is fourteen and twenty two on the road. It's not not all that impressive. I'm just saying. Patrick Brown, nineteen eighty three. Okay, thank yeah, thank you for correcting me. Thank you for giving me the stats. Um. 1983 was the only year Boston didn't get to the NBA Finals. Philly broke through and beat the Lakers with Dr. J and Moses Malone. But yeah, LEM Boston was a serious rivalry for sure. Memphis isn't a rival to Golden State. Nothing to worry about, Bryson. Let them keep talking and bumping gums. They'll never be on the championship level as Golden State. Memphis is the classic tale of what my grandfather once said. The loudest man in the room is the one who's scared. The silent man is the one you should be afraid of. Memphis has a very rude awakening coming. Breach it. <laughs> I could have said it better myself, Patrick. You, you, hey, you said it, not me. And your grandfather was a very wise man, obviously. John Rivera. He's got some some, some laughing emojis. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Gold, Golden State has stared LeBron James in the face and beat him three out of four years in the finals. Yeah, Dylan Brooks is living rent free in their heads. Yeah, okay, that's funny. I mean, and, and something else too. Like, well, they talk about Dylan Brooks a lot. It's because Dylan Brooks talks about them a lot. I mean, again, you can ignore somebody for a long time. And there's, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm not one who responds to every social media comment. Like, if someone's just talking smack and say, "Oh, you're this," you just ignore that stuff. But if someone is aspiring to get to the level that you are at, which I don't doubt Dylan Brooks and the Grizzlies are trying to do. Of course, they're trying to win a championship. Picture yourself wrapped in its softness. Whether you're enjoying a captivating TV show, gathered around a crackling campfire, or cheering for your favorite football team, Minky understands your fall cravings. Our blankets are tailor-made for those heartwarming autumn vibes. With a variety of colors, they're perfect for complementing the hues of fall, as well as showing off your team pride with their vibrant team colors. And the best part? We've got sizes for the whole family, ensuring that everyone can experience the joy of cozying up in Minky's embrace. This fall, let Minky be your companion in creating unforgettable moments. Wrap yourself in comfort, share love, and relish the essence of the season. Minky Blankets, where warmth meets love in every color for every moment. Fall into one of our Minky Couture stores or visit us online at MinkyCouture.com. And they don't respect the team that's done it. Forget once. Anybody could do it once. Four times. Four times in the last decade. 
It's like Clay Thompson said after the Christmas Day game when Golden State shellacked Memphis. By the way, without Steph Curry, they didn't have, they didn't have the best player on planet Earth, and they still destroyed Memphis. And there's I don't know if I still have the picture. Uh, no, it doesn't look like I doesn't look like I do. But the, the picture where Clay Thompson is standing over Dylan Brooks after he made a jump shot late in the fourth quarter, like it was it was beautiful. I loved it. But it's like Clay Thompson said. He said one in four championships is hard. Like it's that's that's something that not a whole lot of players in the history of the game have done. So, hold that. Hold that, Memphis. Yeah, it's cute. You got a little regular season win in, in March. Yeah, you did last year, too, and had it work out for you in the playoffs. Uh, it's well said, though, Patrick. Just let him, let him keep talking. Okay. So, I'm telling you, we're covering the bases on, to, on the show today because we're hitting all the sports. We got college basketball to start, NFL next. Uh, just covered, uh, you know, talking about an NBA topic. Now I'm going to move to college football. It's sort of NFL draft, but we'll count it as college football. And then I'll do a, uh, I'll do a, an Anthony Davis topic at the end of the show. So NFL draft. So today is third, or I'm sorry, Monday, May the, or March the 20th. And the NFL draft first round that is, is April 27th. So basically a month and a week, a month and seven days, essentially before the NFL draft. I, I love doing the NFL draft. Like I said, we're going to try and get a, a grid uh, live stream on, on the show, you know, react to the picks, similar to what me, Mike, and Barry do during the NBA draft every June. So definitely looking forward to that. It's going to be a blast. Hopefully we can, we can make it happen. But a, as the talk is, every draft. Last year was, a, last year was the exception. L- last year was the first draft since, I think, 2013 probably. 2013, there was only one quarterback taken in the first round. That was E.J. Manuel. This past year, it was only one quarterback taken in the first round, and it was Kenny Pickett from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And obviously, he he went to to Pitt. He he played you know played for the Pitt Panthers. But something that is always the topic of discussion every single NFL draft is the quarterbacks. And this year, there's a lot of them. I mean, just out of the SEC, you got three guys: Bryce Young, Hendon Hooker, Will Levis. You got C.J. Stroud. I'm sorry, four guys. If you include Anthony Richardson from Florida, you've got uh, C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. There's a kid from Stanford that a lot of people are talking about. Who I, I haven't seen his tape, so I don't really have an opinion of him yet. I, I have to, you know, you know, again look at his tape, see what he's got, see what his skill set is. Uh, that and rely on Mike Guido, but who's our draft expert. But as far as those are kind of the five that everybody's talking about. Hen and Hooker more on the lower radar because he's injured, but Stroud. We've talked about him for a year as potential number one pick, number two pick. Same can be said about Bryce Young, Heisman winner, Alabama. Led him to a national championship game, although they lost that to to Georgia. Uh, Will Levis, the prototypical great build for a quarterback, monster arm. Could work on his footwork and his pocket awareness more, but that I think that comes with time. I think that can be developed. Anthony Richardson, the best athlete of the quarterbacks of this draft. Hendon Hooker is sort of the veteran. He's the oldest guy uh, amongst that group. Precision guy, accurate, better arm than people give him credit for, and is mobile, can use his legs. Hopefully he'll be able to do that once he comes back from this ACL injury. But the one guy out of those five, and I'm not saying the other four are going to tear up the league. Because as it works out, if there's four or five quarterbacks that go in the first round, usually two, in some cases one have decent careers. Forget being franchise quarterbacks. Sometimes it's just one who has an okay career. Usually it's around two. 
And that's kind of what I think it's going to be this year. But one of the guys really people are really, really high on, and I from the beginning, I don't understand it, is Anthony Richardson from Florida. This is, by the way, this is not a Tennessee, Florida thing. Okay, this, this is there's nothing to do with that. Okay, if 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 Stroud came out of Florida, I'd have the same opinion of Stroud. Okay, that's I don't think Anthony Richardson's skill set works in the modern NFL unless he makes drastic improvements to one thing and one thing in particular, and it's so important, his accuracy. He's got a really good arm. Obviously, he's incredibly mobile. He's got, again, it's the thing I worry about with Bryce Young. Smaller quarterbacks are struggling a little bit in the league. Baker Mayfield, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, they're getting injured more often. Like, it's not really working. That's the thing I worry about with Bryce Young. It's not as intangible. It's not his arm, not his accuracy. If Bryce Young pans out in the NFL, will I be shocked? Of course I won't be shocked. He's incredible in college. But that's the thing I worry about. Size is not a concern with Anthony Richardson. I mean, you saw what he did at the combine. Just blew everybody away. But, and listen, guys like Lamar Jackson, you guys know I'm a big, big fan of. Yeah, the, if, if, you, if you can run the ball like that, if you are as... It's effective in the in the run game, run game using your legs. I mean, I, I'm somebody. I don't think a prototypical statue quarterback works in today's modern NFL. So I think Matt Ryan's career is is kind of on on thin ice right now. That's why Philip Rivers didn't age all that well. That's why Breeze didn't age all that well. Even Tom Brady struggled a little bit at the end of last year. You got to be able to move a little bit. I don't necessarily need you to be a quote unquote running quarterback. Lamar has he's made it work beautifully, but he's he's an outlier. I talk about the modern NFL. Last week, on Friday, I did my top 10 quarterbacks currently in the NFL. For those of you who didn't see it, here's the list right here. Uh, from, from 1 to 10, I went Mahomes, Burrow, Lawrence, Allen, Hurts, Jackson, Rogers, Prescott, Herbert, Carr. Those are my top 10. We can argue about the order or who, if anybody else should be in the top 10, but that's my 10. One thing that... All of them, with the exception of two, and I'll get to those two. One of them, one of the things that all of them had in common coming out of college into the NFL, accuracy was not a problem. Again, I'll go one to ten. Mahomes, 64% completion at Texas Tech. Burrow, 69% completion at LSU. Lawrence, 67% completion at Clemson. Allen, 56. I'll get to Allen in a second. 56% coming out of Wyoming. Hurts, 65% coming out of Alabama and Oklahoma. Lamar Jackson, 57% coming out of Louisville. I'll get to Lamar. Rodgers, 64% coming out of Cal. Prescott, 63% coming out of Mississippi State. Herbert, 64% coming out of Oregon. Carr, 67% coming out of Fresno State. Accuracy is not a problem, or was not a problem, with eight of the 10, to me, eight of the 10 best quarterbacks in the NFL coming out of college. Who are the two exceptions? Josh Allen. Josh Allen is the exception of exceptions. That's who a lot of people are comparing Anthony Richardson to. And I've been like, I don't know if I, it's kind of like when people talk about, hey, this 40-year-old quarterback, that's why I'm very skeptical about Rodgers' fit with the Jets. So I, I was skeptical of Drew Brees at the end. 40-year-old quarterbacks do not age like Tom Brady. It's why I call him the gray outlier. They don't age like that. Stop comparing them to him. In the same breath, Josh Allen, 
freak athlete, big, strong, uh, has probably the best arm in the NFL, very mobile. I think almost to a fault, the Bills use him too much in the running game. He takes a lot of punishment. Not that accurate in college. Came to the NFL, completed like 52% of his passes. By year three, he was in the high 60s. That doesn't happen. Like, that is not... Look at the history of guys who come in with bad completion percentages. They usually leave the NFL with bad completion percentages, or at least bad by the standards of the game today, in which it's more offense-minded than ever, in which uh, quarterbacks are more important than ever, in which, by the way, quarterbacks are usually more developed now coming to the NFL than they have been in recent past. Why? The difference between a college offensive scheme and the NFL offensive scheme... It's not that different. It's not that different. That's why the league has changed a lot. Move towards, uh, move towards the opposite side of the football. Josh Allen is the exception, and then Lamar Jackson again. Josh Allen is 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 one of only two guys out of my top ten who completed sub sixty percent coming out of college. The other is Lamar Jackson. Well, first of all, Lamar won the Heisman. Let's get that straight. Lamar Jackson won the award for the best player in college football. Number two. Lamar Jackson was one of the greatest athletes we've ever seen coming out of the draft. I mean, faster than some receivers. And number three, the team he drafted, he got drafted by the Baltimore Ravens, played right into his strengths. Like his rookie year, Lamar wasn't exactly an, a threat to get you in the passing game. To his credit, he worked on that. Do I anticipate? I saw one mock draft that had Anthony Richardson going to Atlanta. Atlanta's got a lot of weapons. Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Cordero Patterson. But are they going to play? Do those guys fit around what Anthony Richardson's skill set is? I don't think it does. Carolina. Carolina just made a move. They just got Adam Thielen. Frank Wright is, is, is their new head coach. I don't think the fit works in Carolina. So I'm very, very skeptical about whether or not he's going to work in the NFL. Like, he is the ultimate Cross your fingers, first round project. If you compare him to Josh Allen, and I see the comparisons are pretty obvious, okay, but Josh Allen is usually an exception. Now, is that to is that to say that all quarterbacks coming out of college that complete over 62, 3% of their passes are automatic guys that work in the NFL? No. Sam Bradford completed almost 70% of his passes at Oklahoma. So did Baker Mayfield. Sam Bradford was a bust, and I bet Baker Mayfield, I think it's safe to say, is a bust. Did not Neither guy lived up to being the number one overall pick. Tim Tebow completed 70% of his passes-ish at Florida. It didn't work in the NFL because his mechanics were horrendous. I, I just, I don't see where it works. By the way, too, he has SEC talent at Florida. You know, Hinton Hooker had SEC talent. Bryce Young had SEC talent. Will Levis had SEC talent. They had, I mean, they had bad games here. I mean, of course, I don't remember Hinton Hooker having a bad game last year, to be honest with you. But they had off games from here from time to time. Certainly Levis did. But they were productive. They were, rarely were you like, oh my God, this is embarrassing. What is going on with this guy? Anthony Richardson, way too many times last year, like, man, you sure you take this guy in the first round? I'm hearing reports Carolina's considering him with the number one pick. Man, number one pick to me. Needs to be a surefire. You are all in. And if you're all in Anthony Richardson, okay. But guys like him normally don't work in the NFL. I'm 
listen, I wish the kid all the best. He may be a Florida guy, but I wish him all the best. I don't see it working. I really don't. All those other guys have traits that work in the league, whether it's big arms. All By the way, for the record, I talked about the completion percentage of the 10 best quarterbacks in the league. In my view, most of them are over 60%. Look at this. Stroud, coming out of college, 69%. Bryce Young, uh, 66%. Hooker, 67%. Levis, 65%. Richardson, 54%. It, in the modern NFL, you've, you've got to be accurate. I mean, Joe Burrow does not have an overwhelming arm. He's the second-best quarterback in the NFL. Why? He's probably the best pure distributor that there is in the league today. Listen, that means a lot more than if you can jump over a guy. It just does. Patrick Brown. Uh, oh, it's talking about because it's because it's it's, it's 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 free housing. <laughs> uh, talking about the Dylan Brooks thing. He says Anthony Richardson's stock. Anthony Richardson's stock rose at the combine. It will depend on who drafts him and develops. I agree. I just I don't know if some of these teams. I mean, get, let, let me check the the top ten of the draft. I know obviously Atlanta, two NFC South teams. Atlanta, Carolina has the number one overall number one overall pick. Uh, let's see, 2023 NFL draft order. Let's see. So, obviously, okay, Carolina with the number one overall pick. Houston, too. Every mock draft I see has them taking Bryce Young. That seems to be kind of a, a foregone conclusion. I don't think Houston's built to work to develop Anthony Richardson. Uh, Arizona is has got Kyler. They're not going to take him. Indianapolis. Indianapolis isn't a complete rebuild. That's the last. Like, that's, by the way, and this is not to take credit from Lamar. But again, there's very few instances in which quarterbacks go to just dumpster fire organizations and make it work. Peyton Manning did. Joe Burrow did. I think Trevor Lawrence is doing that as we speak. That doesn't happen much. Part of the reason that Lamar Jackson has been so successful, and it's not to take credit away from Lamar. It's just the reality of the NFL. I mean, Patrick Mahomes got Andy Reid. That's not fair. <laughs> a, a guy who's a, a got the number one overall pick talent gets the best offensive coach and all those weapons, that's not fair. But that's usually how it works in the NFL. I mean, what you have around you kind of matters. Part of the reason Lamar Jackson has been so successful is because he went to Baltimore. And Baltimore, with a good roster, a fantastic front office, great coach in John Harbaugh, Totally bought into him, his strengths, moved away from his weaknesses. They said, okay, we're, we are going to make you not the best quarterback, not the best what we want you to be. We are going to make you the best Lamar Jackson that you can be. And how'd that work out? MVP was won 75%-ish of his games. Obviously, he has a playoff win in his resume. He's been pretty successful. If Andy Richardson goes to Atlanta... Carolina, Houston, I don't, I don't know if that's going to work. I, I, I certainly have my Indianapolis. Certainly, I definitely have my doubts. We'll, we'll, we'll see. He's the one. Pro, I always have one prospect every draft. And I'm like, eh, I'm, I'm not that high on them. Uh, 2020, it was Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. Uh, Zach Wilson's going to be on a new team. Mac Jones, they're already talking about, according to reports, potentially moving on from him in New England. Uh, so I was right on both. Uh, I said Trey Lance would be the best quarterback out of that draft. Or not the best. I said Lawrence would be the best because, I mean, it takes you two seconds watching the guy. And it's like, okay, he, he just looks different from everybody else. But I said Trey would have the best career because while Trevor Lawrence gets Jacksonville, Trey Lance gets San Francisco. And I'm still not – I'm still clinging for dear life to my Trey Lance stock. But if he comes out next year, again, there's a potential. I might be a Niners fan. It's either Niners or Pittsburgh between those two or 
possibly where Hinton Hooker goes or gets gets you know picked by. But uh, if Trey Lance doesn't doesn't work five games in a month in two months in, it's like okay, it's year three now. Like if if, if it doesn't work by this point with all the all the weapons he has, then it's never going to work. Trevor Lawrence has certainly proved to be the best among that group, though. And Justin Fields was kind of the in-between. I'm like, okay, I like him. I just don't know where he ends up. Like, Justin Fields, if you think about it, is honestly a more refined Anthony Richardson. But, again, poor Justin Fields got Chicago. And that's, he's kind of running for his life out there. All right, moving on, back to the NBA. Last topic of today's show revolves. I tried to talk as little Lakers as possible. It's not just because I, I dislike the Lakers as a Warriors fan. It's, I, I try to not talk about the 10th seed in the West and a team that I honestly speaking, isn't all that interesting. Has some interesting pieces. Obviously LeBron James happens to play for him, but LeBron James is healthy right now. But the Los Angeles Lakers uh, are sitting there. Are they 10? Yeah, they're 10th in the West, but they are, they're three games out of fifth place. Like that's how jumbled up the Western conference is. So your your best guess. I mean, the top three seeds are like the only debate is who's who's going to finish where. Denver's in all likelihood going to be the number one seed, although they are slipping as of late. Sacramento, Memphis, they are totally in. It just depends on who's two and who's three. Then you got Memphis. They're likely going to finish fourth. They'll trade spots possibly with the Clippers. We'll see. And then from six to twelve, it's a jumbled up mess. There's some Minnesota in there, some Golden State in there, some Dallas, Oklahoma City, Lakers, Utah. Portland's kind of out of the mix. It seems like they've they've slipped. I genuinely feel bad for my man Damian Lillard. I, I wish I wish he would leave Portland. So if he gets Portland, I just want Dane to play for a contender. He's earned the right to do that. But I, I talked about that on Friday's show. Different subject. For the Lakers. They and by the way, while I'm on the topic of the Lakers, a little podcast plug. Uh, Patrick Brown, the comments there, you guys see. Uh, he's got a new Lakers podcast, the forum. Got first couple episodes out uh, now on the Grid Network, so please go check his stuff out. Big time Lakers fan, excellent show. Check his stuff out. But Lakers last, well, let's look at their last three games. First of all, they lost to Houston, which Houston's playing pretty good as of late. It's like I, I like the kids they got over there, particularly Jabari Smith. That's why I'm a little nervous for my Warriors tonight. But Houston beat the Lakers without Anthony Davis. That's uh, look, it happens. But then you got a game at home against Dallas with no Luca. There's Kyrie, but there's no Luka. And late in the game, they make sure I'm getting the, the, the play-by-play right. Uh, okay, yeah, so there's... Make sure. Okay, there's... Uh, okay, set uh, exactly seven seconds left in the game. Or the clock's winding down. The, the, the foul, which I'm about to bring up, happened with seven seconds left. Lakers are up four points. Looks like game is pretty much out of reach. And Maxi Kleba tries a long three-pointers. Desperation three, you know, give yourself a shot to possibly win it. And Anthony Davis makes one of the dumber basketball plays you'll ever see. Now, say Anthony Davis is dumb by any stretch of the imagination, but it was a dumb basketball play. Any coach will tell you on a jump shot, particularly particularly a three-point shot, if you're up four or more, get a hand up. Especially if you're Anthony Davis, you're 6'10", got a 7-foot wingspan. Him getting a hand up is totally different than you or me playing pickup and getting a hand up. Get a hand up. Don't leave your feet. Don't put yourself in position where you could possibly foul them. They get a four-point play. Anthony Davis bit on uh, the shot. Now, Kleba didn't make the three, but he went to the line, sunk all three free throws. 
Okay, that's mistake number one. Mistake number two for Anthony Davis. He gets fouled with, let's make sure I'm getting this right. Anthony Davis gets fouled with 6.1 seconds left. And he goes one for two at the free throw line. Now, Anthony Davis is somebody who the bubble year was automatic from the line. I remember that bubble season for the Lakers when they won the championship. He was money from the free throw line. This year, he's shooting, I saw a stat like 50% in the last two minutes of games or something like that from the free throw line. Terrible. Like, I mean, Shaq numbers essentially. Nothing against the big deeds. I love Shaquille O'Neal. But one for two at the line. So now the Lakers are only up two with 6.1 seconds left. Mistake number three, Kyrie's got the ball. Clock's winding down. Again, Mavs are down two. Gets doubled. AD's not part of the double. He falls asleep defensively. He leaves his guy, Maxi Kleba, wide open for a three. He sinks it at the buzzer to win the game. Again, the Lakers, that was a terrible, terrible, devastating loss in terms of trying to get up in, in the standings, possibly to potentially avoid the play-in tournament, which would be huge for whoever's able to get that six seed. It was a devastating loss for the Lakers in terms of their chances of doing that. So they played the Magic yesterday. Now, they beat the Magic 111-105, to 105, although that game was in question up until late. Uh, Austin Reeves had the game of his life. I've always liked Austin Reeves. I didn't know he had this in him. 35 points off the bench on 14 shots. You want to talk about efficiency? My goodness. Now, he shot you know 18 free throws, but still. Steph Curry could get that kind of respect from the refs. Anyways, Anthony Davis. You're coming off a tough loss. You took accountability for the loss. You said, the loss is on me. How do you respond? Six for 15 from the field, 15 points. 15 points on 15 shots. This is kind of what I've always said about Anthony Davis. I, I call him AD always down. Listen, when AD is engaged, he's a top three player in the world. When you talk about his impact on both ends of the floor, a guy who, in my view, should have been the defensive player of the year over freaking Rudy Gobert, who, I don't even want to talk about Rudy Gobert. The fact, uh, yeah, I won't even, I won't even get to that. Anthony Davis should have been the MVP, uh, sorry, the uh, defensive player of the year, in my view, in 2018. He's a fantastic two-way player when he's engaged. And this is why. I don't know if I talked about it in the sh on the show at the time, but I know I've talked about it since. That when the Lakers won the 2020 title, and obviously it was a very short offseason because they came back the next game, that last game of that season was October 11th. The next game the Lakers played was December 22nd. Or the rest of the league played, but the Lakers won the championship. Them and the Heat had the longest season. So they got basically a two-week offseason before they get back to preparing for the following season because of COVID. And all the, the, the talk around the Lakers was, okay, LeBron is going to pass the torch to Anthony Davis. LeBron's still going to be great. But AD, he's moving into his prime. He's got a ring. He's got his money. He's going to pass the torch to AD. He is going to continue to lead us, hopefully, to more championships. And I was like, big mistake. Anthony Davis was the man on the Pelicans for he was there seven seasons. He made the playoffs twice and won one playoff series. That's not his M.O., leadership. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. That's what I said about Kawhi Leonard. People are like, oh, Kawhi's not a leader. Well, listen, to me, leadership is something you can learn to be a better leader, I believe. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott, for example, in Dallas, I think Ezekiel learned to be a better leader. But most of the time, we all know leadership is something that you have or you don't. 
Anthony Davis doesn't have it. There's nothing wrong with that. But what bothered me the most about this two-game stretch, we know Anthony Davis is inconsistent. But for him to, I don't, I don't ever pin losses on one guy. It's a team game. Basketball's a team game. Everybody shares a certain percentage of blame. Anthony Davis blew that game about as much as if you possibly could against Dallas on Friday. For him to respond against Orlando, who, by the way, they don't have a whole lot of interior presence, especially since they traded Mo Bamba to the Lakers. He gives you 15 on 15 shots. He looked disengaged. He was turning the ball over. Just looked totally out of it. Didn't respond to adversity well. And that's why I've said, I've said for two years on Carving It Up Live, Lakers need to move on from AD because the stock is only falling, folks. He hasn't made an all-star game in, I think, two years, two or three seasons. Stock is only falling as he gets injured more, as he continues to struggle as the number one option. Now, he has number one option talent, just as doesn't have number one intangibles. The Lakers still seem to not buy this as LeBron gets older. And it's potentially going to sink their franchise. I think the Lakers have a championship roster for next year. I think it's too late this year. They can't be a low seed in the playoffs, win three straight playoff series on the road. I don't think they're equipped to do that with the age of their best player and the inconsistency of their second best player. But next year, a clean slate? Absolutely. I think the Lakers are title contenders with the moves that they made. Props to Rob Palenka. But Rob Palenka is going to have to make another move this offseason. Move on from Anthony Davis. And I, I've, 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 I've talked about the trade to Portland potentially for Damian Lillard. I think Lillard and LeBron would be beautiful fits. I don't have time to get into why I think that, but I've talked about it numerous times on previous shows. I, I think, again, I think LeBron's great with shooters. Lillard's available. Uh, they've got plenty of you. If you worry about Lillard's defense, don't. They've, Lakers have plenty of guys who can, who, who can, you know, basically cover for him. I mean, Golden State, up until Steph put on some muscle, Golden State did that for Steph for many years. The Houston Rockets did it for years with James Harden. The the Sixers are doing it now for James Harden. So it can be done. But, yeah, just, man, you you never know where AD's head is. Patrick Brown, AD stands for always disappointing. That was the dumbest move by A, and he says in quotes, superstar. He's unreliable, and as I said on my Lakers pod, what's AD's motor? There's not much of one. Patrick, give me Giannis over AD. Well, yeah, absolutely. I'd argue AD is more talented than Giannis. I would. But again, I've said outside of Steph. And by the way, if you ask me who am I starting my franchise with today, I'd take oh Giannis over Steph because of Giannis's age. But I mean, today I think Steph's the best player in the world. But outside of him, nobody in the world I'm taking over Giannis. His impact at both ends of the floor it's better than anybody in the league. We don't want to talk about motors. I feel like I keep I sound like Iverson right now. We talk about practice, man. You want to talk about motors? Nobody has. LeBron did before injuries sort of caught up to him. I think Steph does, but again, he's had trouble with injuries. Uh, Trying to think of somebody else. I think KD's got a solid motor. Nobody has the motor of Giannis. Even Westbrook. I've been critical of Westbrook. I've never criticized Russ's effort, ever. Him, doesn't matter who. Nobody has the motor of of Giannis Antetokounmpo. he's, He's different, man. Like, he, he he plays desperate, and not in a out-of-control way. In a, man, I want this, and you are not taking it from me. Which, you know, fans love that. I, I love that. Who doesn't? Anybody who loves basketball. Okay, so yeah, that, that is my Lakers segment, hopefully for the last time until they are in the play-in tournament, because that's where they're likely going to be. 
I still maintain, I've said all season long, even the Lakers were sitting there at 2-10. and 10, I said, I still think they're going to get in the playoffs as the 8th seed. I still maintain that. I do think they will get in the postseason, but I... Although the way Denver's playing, that's not a that's not a favorable matchup for the Nuggets if they face the Lakers in round one. But Lakers got in, get in the playoffs first before they before they worry about the Denver Nuggets or the Nuggets worry about them. All right, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Be sure to catch Carving Up Live on Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. And be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network on YouTube. The network that I'm a part of. You can find my show, Carving It Up. You can find yourself Patrick in the comments. You can find the Chaotic Sports Podcast. He's got a new episode now. I really recommend you guys check it out. Uh, he's got the Forum Podcast as well. So check out his shows there. Barry Grant Jr. was in the comments. All Even Podcast. Check that stuff out. He just put out a new show uh, yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. Alfred Parsar Jr., to me, his best episode yet of the Metropolitan Report, talking about the Edwin Diaz injury in the World Baseball Classic. Be sure to check his stuff out. Big Mets fan and big baseball fan as a whole, so be sure to check the Metropolitan Report out. Ryan Flowers, Clutch Sports Talk, Cowboys Can Fan Podcast, our new, uh, our, our new teammate Parnell, the Commander's Demand Podcast. He put out a new show on Saturday. So if you're a Commander's fan or you just want latest insight on the Washington Commanders, be sure to go check his stuff out as well. So listen, like I said, we're we're, we're doing good stuff here at the Grid Network. So please be sure to, to check that check that stuff out. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. God bless you all. Peace out. Sweet 16, baby. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.